And now, get ready for an exclusive look into the music industry with Behind the Mic host, Dylan Ingram. Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of Behind the Mic. Today I'm joined by Judah Akers. Judah's the front man of folk rock group Judah and the Lion, and it's such an honor to have him on the show today. Judah, thank you so much for taking the time to come on this morning. Of course, thanks for having me, dude. The huge elephant in the room across the whole music industry is this pandemic. Haven't been able to tour, play those live shows like I know that you love to do so much. So what all have you been up to this year during this time of just kind of being at home? I know you've launched two side projects. Just what all have you had going on? Yeah, for us, um, you know, we, we've traveled a whole lot since we started the band, um, doing like around 200 shows a year. And so in a lot of ways, this last year and, and some change has, has been a great blessing to the three of us. Um, a lot more time at home with family, a lot more time to rest. And, you know, it's been a great time to create things and um, birth things into the world. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been really exciting for me to be able to work on Pink Laundry and my worship project. Um, Judah, those two different projects have been kind of on my mind um, for the last few years. And then um, we were already planning on launching those, you know, in 2020. And then it just so happened it was like um, way more time to kind of focus on on those as well as continuing to write um for judah and lion so it's been it's been great for that so now moving back to judah and the lion first hit single for your band take it all back that song exploded you guys into the mainstream first of all what was kind of the story that went into writing that one and what can you recall it doing for judah and the lion yeah so take it all back is such an interesting song because you know as a songwriter songs come as they come, some are really like a song like Suit and Jacket was written over the course of like five years. Um, and then Take It All Back was written in three minutes in a shed. Um, and so it was just kind of one of those songs. And, and, and honestly, you know, even listening to the song, it's very simple in nature and almost like stream of conscious um, that you can kind of hear. And, and yeah, that, that song at that time, we were still kind of this grassroots band that was just road warriors trying to um, grow the band just by, by playing as many shows as possible and getting um, back to cities and, and replaying cities. And that, that song really took us out into the, the commercial world, if you will. You know, it was, we were able to kind of grow way more because more listeners were obviously listening to these stations. And it's been, been really cool to be partners with alternative, you know, radio station world and, you know, on the last couple of records. So it's been, been really cool. So on social media, you've obviously made it clear that you miss playing those live shows. You're eager to get back on the road. What is it that you miss most about the atmosphere and the environment of playing those live shows? I think for us, or for me, it's just the connection. Um, we miss the connection with um, the people that connect to our stories, uh, to my stories of pain, my stories of hope. I'm connecting just on a heart level. You know, when you're when you're up there singing and you see somebody singing your words or you're down in the crowd and you're um, shaking people's hands, hugging people, which sounds like crazy now COVID. Um, that's what you miss. Um, you miss uh, belonging uh, in a sense and, and connecting in that way. And um, I think 
I think COVID's going to be really important. Cool. You know, at the end of it, it's going to be a big blessing in that way. Because um, I think for artists and for listeners alike, there will be kind of this weird, I guess, greatness towards those moments now. And kind of, I guess, sacredness. Because, you know, at the time in 2019, when I'm exhausted and, you know, ready to get back home, I think that the next time that happens, it's like you, you didn't know that that could be taken away from you in a sense. Now, you know, we're seeing like a year and some change that has been. I'm just, I think it's going to be a really cool kind of, you know, you didn't know how, you didn't really know what you had until it was gone. Like, how feeling towards um, live music. Your most recent tour with Dude and the Lion back in 2019, Pep Talks Worldwide Tour. And then before that, you got to headline a number of other tours, including the Going to Mars Tour. So, just comparing those two tours, Pep Talks Worldwide versus Going to Mars. What was the differences between those, like as far as crew and production and just everything's concerned? Um, yeah, two awesome tours. I know doing the Mars tour, we were we were like dead because um, we were we were waking up at six a.m. going to the radio station doing a lounge, going to the next station doing a lounge, and then going to the sound check, playing the show, and waking up and doing the same thing the next day. So it was just very busy. Um, we had a bus and a truck. Um, the bus was filled up, the, the bunks were, we had 12 bunks, I think we filled, filled them like 11, we had six in the band and five in the crew. The, the next tour, the Pat Talks tour, we had um, two buses in the truck, so we had kind of the band bus, which was just the, the six of us, uh, plus our tour manager. Um, so we had four kind of empty bunks for the wives to be able to come out um, when they wanted to. And then uh, we had a crew bus, which I think had like around 10, 10 crew. Um, and then a truck as well um, on that one. So that one was still still just as busy, but it felt less claustrophobic because um, there. Were, I mean, on the, on the Going to Mars tour, like we would have like, 13 people on the bus, and me and Lindsay are sleeping in the same bunk, which is like that's my wife, by the way. That's like you know, not in this couch, like just a little bigger than this couch. So um, that one was just a little bit tight, but that's what we were used to, you know. The, the, the tours before that were 10 of us in a crusted out van, um, you know, sharing hotel bedrooms, sleeping on the floor. So we, that's very much kind of the, the lifestyle we were used to. So we were really grateful we got to have talks and we're able to kind of space out a little bit more. So when you're looking at putting together a tour, one of the key elements, you got to have a set list. So what does your process look like when you go to build those set lists? Lots of just arguing and um, trying to communicate and clearly and because um, you know these these set lists and these tours matter so much to each of us um, the three of us so we we all are creative and we all have our own opinions about what you know our preferences are and stuff like that but I, I think we used to hold on so tightly to it back in the day like it had to be the perfect set list and you know I don't know that there's ever really a perfect set list I think after those first few shows on any given tour, you can kind of quickly realize like what's what's working, what moments need to kind of be lifted energy-wise, what moments need to come down even more. Because, um, you know, we, we love we love energetic shows. We love um, keeping people's attention. And with our kind of dynamic sound, allowing there to be some rock influences and some hip-hop influences and some folk influences, we've, we feel like we can kind of make the set list dynamic enough to kind of keep people's attention so you mentioned you love having that energy at the live shows do you write your music with live shows in mind 
Yeah, I mean, it's impossible. It's like it's almost impossible for me to uh, to write any any band or any song um, with without thinking about that connection at the live show. A buddy of mine um, who's in a, is a band um, back in well, ten years, kind of in, in front of us. Um, he just said one time that really affected me. He said, "The more you grow in music, the more you um, the more you're leaving your wife." as your family grows like when you have kids every word every song needs to count um, because you know it, it's worth something and you know when i'm at a show and i'm singing a song and you're out there and I'm not saying that you would be but just in case like if you're out there and you're singing these words back you know in that moment there's a connection because i'm connecting in some way to your story you're connecting to the story and then there's a sense of kind of belonging there and that connection um is what I think changes like the atmosphere of a room can change the atmosphere of a heart um, and people. And that's what makes beautiful, like music so beautiful to us. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's pretty much impossible for me not to think about that. So when you're actually in the studio recording those songs, what does the recording process look like? Like when you go in, what's typically tracked first and what's kind of the finishing touches and how does that all come about? Yeah, I mean, every song and, and every, every project that I'm in is, is kind of different. Um, but mostly, I would say, on the June line side, it starts with kind of an idea that I have, uh, whether it be on the acoustic guitar or me demoing out kind of a, a, a different idea. If it's a little bit of a more energetic, I guess, the vibe that I was going for. Um, and then Nate and Brian, kind of, they're, they're so skilled at their instruments. Uh, you know, they, they're so good at like arranging and kind of tying it all together. So I guess if I bring it to like 50%, they bring it to like the 30% which, you know, break 80% and then we can finish it all together alongside our, our dog, our, pretty much our fourth member, uh, Drew Long, who's kind of helped produce um, music since the start. So last year, you, Nate, and Brian released the song, Beautiful Anyway. Can you just take a second to talk about what that song meant to you personally and the guys? Yeah, I mean, that, that song has such a special place in my heart. I, I'll never forget being up here in um, my songwriting studio and that song, Light Taking On Back, coming really, really quickly. And it, it was after our Pep Talks tour, which, you know, the Pep Talks record, um, if someone out there, which I'm sure a lot of people haven't, haven't heard it, but it, it kind of dove into like just mental health and my struggles and my parents' pretty explosive divorce with... Um, addiction in there and and really angry and starting to kind of understand that in, in my own life like I wasn't really doing that great mentally and I was sad and learning and discovering that it was okay to be sad and so I, I think the reaction from that with with what people were telling me at meet and greets and stuff were were a heavier reaction you know people were coming up and saying that they were struggling with suicidal thoughts, um, saying that they were struggling with, you know, injuring themselves or cutting themselves. And you know, when, when you're hearing that, you know, it, that's the reason why you make music. It's like you want to help. You want to help people. But I think also it's, it also feels a little superficial just to hear that story and be like, oh, let's take a picture, you know. And so this, 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 this song to me kind of felt like a response to those things that were happening and, even in my own life, I had a few few very close friends, you know, that were really struggling with with suicidal thoughts and had like um, going to rehab and, and doing these different things to kind of fight what they were going through. But as a friend, it's like so hard to hear that because you look at this person 
who you love and adore so much and you cannot believe why they would, you know, not like themselves so much or feel like that they didn't deserve winning. So this song was kind of like a, a prayer slash response to, to those, to those um, things, those stories. Looking back at your career as a whole, what have been some of the most memorable moments that you've had or achievements that you're most proud of? You know, I think for me, I, I think back, I had some of the stories like this. Um, we have a, a friend that had struggled with, with self-harm and um, she would come up um, at meet and greets over the course of our different tours and she would say, you know, I'm a, I'm a year sober, I'm cutting myself, I'm, I'm two years or I'm, uh, you know, at, at first it was like I'm 100 days and it was like I'm a year and, and um, hearing her just say that the music has helped with that. Um, those are the stories that I, I think are my proudest um, moments. Like we, we were in Indianapolis one time and we had a guy come shake her hand and he said, you know, my, my brother just passed. like, you know, a little, he was like out of my age. Um, and he's like, my older brother just passed and we sang, we sang your song around his deathbed. Um, and so big life stories like that, I think are, are my greatest achievements as far as just having these moments. And, and um, it's very humbling to even think like someone would want to sing like backs against the wall when their brother is, is passing. And somehow that song has, what it, has been like an encouragement to further in hand and those moments are moments out i'll remember what do you hope that this year 2021 looks like for judah and the lion so a lot more music um obviously we're gonna be touring whenever touring kind of opens back up yeah just very optimistic and very excited about what's ahead what would you say to someone who's looking to get into the music industry and wants to create songs and share them with people my, my greatest advice is you, you just better believe in yourself but there's going to be times where you know you're in Louisville and you know or whatever you're at a show and nobody shows up and you're like what am I doing like this doesn't make any sense like we we played a show in Louisville one time and five people showed up and they were on the guest list they were our, our host family that we were staying with that, that, that night <laughs> at that time for us it was like we were spending our own money we were um, losing it but we still really believed in, in what we were doing in ourselves and I think for any no matter what version of, of songwriting or whether it's you know you want to play in your hometown or you want to get outside of that i think it's so important to believe in yourself and honestly like songwriting is more important than to me it's more important than how many people come to a show or how successful you get um sometimes songwriting is just, can be just for yourself um, but i think if you're wanting to get into the industry that has to start with i believe in um, these stories i believe in what i'm doing and this is the reason why it matters. And that way, if you have that, it kind of becomes a superpower. Well, Judah from Judah and Align, thank you so much for taking the time to join me this morning. Make sure to stay up to date on everything that they've got going on. Follow um, them on social media. Check out their music everywhere. Music is available. Apple Music, Spotify, everywhere else. That was Behind the Mic with Dylan Ingram. Make sure to tune in next week for a brand new episode. <laughs>